Three people in Connecticut and New York have died after being infected with a rare flesh-eating bacteria found in seawater and raw shellfish. A fourth person, also in Connecticut, was hospitalized and later released after being infected by the bacteria, called Vibrio vulnificus. Infection from the bacteria and its relatives, known collectively as vibriosis, is on the rise on the East Coast as ocean temperatures warm as a result of climate change, researchers have found. This is Pulse Check. I'm Megan Messerly. The World Health Organization is calling on countries to integrate alternative medicine into their health systems alongside traditional medicine. A 2020 study found that some countries in Europe, such as Sweden, Denmark, and Norway, reimbursed a greater number of alternative medicine treatments than others, like Poland, Hungary, and the Czech Republic. Some experts and members of the public have, however, criticized the WHO's stance as putting alternative medicine on equal footing with traditional medicine. A new report from Public Citizen, a liberal-leaning consumer rights group, has found widely varying rates of doctor discipline across the country, with some state medical boards doing what report authors described as a, quote, dangerously lax job in responding to serious issues. Providers in states like Colorado, Michigan, North Dakota, and Ohio are subject to serious disciplinary action more than five times as often as those in the District of Columbia, Georgia, Nevada, and New Hampshire. And the COVID-19 pandemic exposed gaps in global preparedness for disease outbreaks, raising alarm about even more pandemics on the horizon. Politico healthcare reporter Carmen Pond explains the future of pandemic preparedness and response. Thank you for having me. So we're all still recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic, but you recently spoke with John Bell, the UK's former COVID testing czar and a professor of medicine at Oxford University, about the next pandemic. What is he worried about? He's worried that we're still not ready, which I know is not something new to many people listening. He said that COVID was really bad. We had at least 7 million people dying around the world. And, you know, that's considered an undercount. But it could actually be worse by some projection. An avian flu pandemic could kill 15 times more people than COVID-19 did. So obviously he's concerned that we are not prepared for that possibility. And he said that is not an impossible scenario. So what does Bell think about government's actions to prepare for the next pandemic now that COVID-19 isn't a public health emergency of international concern anymore? He told me that he hasn't seen the action from governments that he would have expected, given the consequences, the economic consequences, health consequences, societal consequences of COVID-19. He feels there are many things that could still be done, that he doesn't see governments moving on. And so far, he's working with other people in this space, with the likes of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, with the Tony Blair Institute to try to get organizations who are leaders in the health space and in the global space to take some of these actions that he also thinks governments should be working on. Right. So what can the U.S. and other countries do to surveil for pathogens? Pathogen surveillance is one of the main things he said governments should be doing. That includes what the U.S. is doing, for example, with wastewater surveillance, where they test wastewater to see if there's presence of COVID-19 or other viruses in there. But he also said that, you know, while that is helpful to get an idea of where the virus is circulating or whether there's an uptick in cases in a certain place, you cannot really trace back to the person who is sick and uh, try to make sure that people surrounding that person don't get sick. 
So he also talked about something called metagenomic sequencing, which is a technique basically where you take a sample and you try to find that virus or that pathogen that could be something that you never found before. And he said that this two should go together, that governments should develop capabilities for both so they can quickly catch new things arising, you know, bacteria, viruses, and other pathogens that could cause the next big disease outbreak. And then, you know, is there more we also need to do on the vaccination front? Yes. He did say that he thinks no country, rich or poor, had the proper infrastructure in place to roll out the COVID-19 vaccines, and most of them had to build it up from scratch. And he said that in peacetime, so basically between pandemics, each country should work on building up this infrastructure and building up an adult vaccination program that could be used for routine vaccination, you know, for example, for RSV, since we have a new vaccine for adults for RSV or for shingles. And then that could be used when there's a major disease outbreak that could be used to roll out vaccines against that outbreak, obviously, when they become available. And he thinks that's really important to have. It serves this dual purpose of providing routine vaccination to adults, but also of being available. You know, you basically don't have to reinvent the wheel when the next pandemic strikes, basically. And then Bell has also suggested building a clinical trial network in Africa, right? What would that do? Indeed, he said there's not so much capacity for clinical trials in Africa. And as we know, there are many viruses, many pathogens that first emerge in Africa. You know, you can think of Ebola and there have been Marburg disease outbreaks recently. And he did say that for any company in the world testing a new vaccine, they would be well served to actually try to test it in a clinical trial in Africa because it is possible that the next pathogen that could create a, a new pandemic might emerge there. And he, he talked about Ebola. Obviously, if you need to test a vaccine or treatment against Ebola, you need to test it in Africa. And he did talk about the fact that there are more than 1 billion people in Africa. They also suffer from chronic diseases, just like the rest of the world, and new treatments should be developed for people there. And this, again, he talked about the dual capacity of a clinical trial network that could be used to test new treatments, new therapies against chronic diseases, but also to test for vaccines against viruses and other pathogens that could spread around the world. And he also thinks that testing a vaccine in a population in Africa would actually give people there more confidence in vaccines, because he said many of the vaccines that we saw against COVID-19 were not tested there. And that actually actually created more mistrust in his view of these vaccines, many of them coming mostly from the West. Well, thanks so much for keeping an eye on all of this and for taking the time to walk us through this. I appreciate it, Carmen. Thank you so much, Megan. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Reese is our senior producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. I'm Megan Musserly. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.